right, in this part of the program, we sometimes do obituaries, and with, with some sadness, we have to note the passing of James Arness, who played Marshal Matt Dillon on the TV version of Gunsmoke. What you just heard came off of the wonderful uh, radio drama of Gunsmoke, which was also popular for a long time. Gunsmoke premiered on television in 1955 and was a monster hit. It aired for 20 years. While other westerns came and went, Gunsmoke ranked among the most popular programs year after year. When it was finally canceled in 1975, it was the last western on TV at the time. If you saw the TV show or heard the radio program, you know it was a cut above the usual westerns. And on television, James Arness helped make the whole thing work. Its obituaries know that he was six foot seven and embodied the quiet moral authority in a rough and ready cow town, supposedly Dodge City. It was only when pushed to the limit would Marshal Dillon draw his six gun. He was born James Arness in Minneapolis, and his brother, actor Peter Graves, grew up enjoying what he called a real Huckleberry Finn existence on the Mississippi River. He was drafted into the Army in 1942, was wounded during the Battle of Anzio, which left him with a permanent limp. And a friend suggested he move to Hollywood in 1946, where he met producer Dory Sherry, who cast him in The Farmer's Daughter against Loretta Young. His movie career was taking off. He was in the science fiction classic The Thing from Another World, and also in 1954's Them. When the possibility of the role of Matt Dillon on TV came up, John Wayne with whom he'd starred in Big Jim McClain, sat him down and said, Go ahead and take it, Jim. You're too big for pictures. Gregory Peck and I don't want a big lug like you towering over us. So he went to Gunsmoke, which earned praise for breaking TV Western genre conventions with its strong dramatic stories and psychologically complex characters. The show logged 635 episodes over its 20-year run, which was the longest ever for a primetime scripted program. It was finally eclipsed by The Simpsons in 2009. Anyway, if you grew up during that time period and saw Gunsmoke, uh, and, and an awful lot of you did, I think you were in some ways influenced by that character portrayed by James Arness. In the end, Radio Parallax is not able to shed any light on the mystery of what the deal was between Matt Dillon and Miss Kitty. I mean, there was something going on. And also passing away recently was Dr. Jack Kevorkian. What's most ironic about it was that it was not an assisted suicide. Now, Kevorkian has a strange role to play, I think, in medical history. His advocacy for the rights of patients to end their own lives with doctor assistance got him an eight-year prison sentence. Actually, he was sentenced to 10 to 25 years and served eight. Noted his obituaries, his critics were as impassioned as his supporters, but all generally agreed that his stubborn advocacy of assisted suicide helped spur the growth of hospice care in the United States. In a related subject, we, we refer you to the Sacramento News and Review for Jeff Von Kainel's article about, uh, about a good death and what we might do to try and achieve one. When I used to work at Yolo General Hospital as a physician, one of my colleagues out there knew Jack Kevorkian from his uh, residency days. And he used to do a dead-on Kevorkian impression. No pun intended. Noted uh, Jack Lessenberry, a Michigan journalist who covered Kevorkian's one-man campaign. 
Jack Kevorkian, faults and all, was a major force for good in our society. He forced us to pay attention to one of the biggest elephants in society's living rooms. The fact that today vast numbers of people are alive who would rather be dead and have lives not worth living. Others noted with supreme irony that uh, Kevorkian, weakened as he was and laying in his hospital, could not take advantage of the option he had offered others and that he'd wished for himself. This is something I would want, Kevorkian once said. And I'm afraid I can't resist mentioning a crack Jay Leno once made. After Kevorkian had been arrested for going out to someone's house to assist in a suicide, Leno said, Oh, great. They finally get a doctor that'll make house calls. And it's a suicide doctor. And when it comes to men's sexuality, we have uh, some good, bad, and ugly news. The good news is that a man in Berlin, an American AIDS patient, saw his HIV infection disappear after he received a blood transfusion. Apparently the donor's T-cells lack the protein receptors that HIV needs to latch on and kill the cells, making them uniquely immune to the virus. In the wake of that, scientists at Sangamo Biosciences in California have developed a treatment that replicates that positive genetic trait which, by the way, occurs in less than 1% of the population. Apparently, their treatment consists of slicing out the responsible gene from strands of DNA. When they tested this treatment on blood drawn from six men with HIV, it deleted the receptors from many of the cells. When those HIV immune cells were injected back into patients, they seemed to thrive. must say AIDS recently passed its 30-year anniversary. I remember being in medical school when the news of this strange new malady struck. It's certainly a tribute to medical science that uh, at this point in time, it's basically now a treatable condition. But I would recommend those who are interested in medical history and recent evil politics to read Randy Schultz's And the Band Played On. We've talked about this in the program before, but it is sadly a matter of historical fact that the Reagan administration did not respond appropriately to the public health menace of AIDS, because it was an affliction which seemed to strike homosexuals and IV drug abusers, which made some think of it as a good thing, or at any rate, certainly not a public health priority. Regarding some bad news, studies now suggest that the human papillomavirus, which is the number one sexually transmitted disease, and a major cause of cervical cancer apparently infects half of men. In most cases, HPV produces few noticeable symptoms. And most people that have had it probably aren't even aware they had it. According to WebMD.com, most of the more than 40 different strains of HPV are not harmful. But one, HPV-16, can last up to a year and causes genital warts and a variety of cancers in men and women. Since we have vaccines to prevent HPV in people who are not yet sexually active, they need to be employed much more widely. And from the ugly story in male sexuality, we have this reverberating issue of the fact that San Francisco is going to have a referendum on the November ballot that would outlaw circumcision. Writing in the Boston Globe, Jeff Jacoby said, even for San Francisco, this is madness. 
Never mind that circumcision happens to be the oldest practice of the world's oldest religion, Judaism, or that the surgery has been shown to reduce the rate of urinary tract infections and sexually transmitted diseases, including AIDS. The 12,000 intactivists who signed a petition to get a ban on the ballot, so-called male genital mutilation, <laughs> should be a crime, punishable by $1,000 fine and up to a year in jail. And we presume that's for the doctor. You can bet we're going to return to that topic before September. But we've got about a minute and a half left, so let's just note, as a follow-up on our chat last week with author Sam Keane about his book, The Disappearing Spoon, and other true tales of madness, love, and the history of the world from the periodic table of the elements, that last week the periodic table gained two new members. Yes, according to New Scientist magazine, the periodic table has put on weight. Its new members... Unun quadium and unun hexium are the heaviest elements yet, with 114 and 116 protons, respectively. Now, this correspondent is just not buying this. Yes, if you get your atom smasher together and you accelerate some calcium and blast it into some plutonium, for a second or two, a few atoms of this stuff may stick around, which you can only discover by looking at the traces of radiation it gives off as it disintegrates. You can't test the chemistry of this stuff because A, you don't have enough of it, and B, it doesn't stick around. This is just, you know, chemical and physics one-upmanship. According to the magazine, unun hexium was made by bombarding Curium with 96 protons with a calcium nuclei and it's 20 protons. The nuclei of element 116 lasted a few milliseconds before spitting out an alpha particle and becoming element 114, which stuck around for all of a second and a half. And I got the feeling like Dave Barry, there's a bunch of guys sitting around a particle accelerator with a pitcher of margaritas going, hey, did you see that? Element 116. Yeah, I saw it too. <laughs> But that's just speculation on our part. That bottom row of the periodic table needs to be stripped off. These are not real things. But doggone it, we're out of time. So let's see if we can't cue up some Tom Lear and go out with his version of the periodic table. As produced by Mr. McMillan, who also produced the rest of the show. Which is, of course, Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett, your host, and we'll see you again next week at the same time. Arsenic, aluminum, selenium, and hydrogen, and oxygen, and nitrogen, and rhenium, and nickel, neodymium, neptunium, germanium, and iron, americium, ruthenium, uranium, europium, zirconium, lutetium, vanadium, and lanthanum, and osmium, and astatine, and radium, and golden protactinium, and indium, and gallium, and iodine, and thorium, and thulium, and thallium. There's yttrium, ytterbium, actinium, rubidium, and boron, gadolinium, niobium, iridium, and strontium, and silicon, and silver, and samarium, and bismuth, bromine, lithium, beryllium, and barium. There's holmium and helium and hafnium and erbium and phosphorus and francium and fluorine and terbium and manganese and mercolium and lignum and magnesium and dysprosium and scandium and cerium and cesium and lead, praseodymium and platinum and plutonium, palladium, promethium, potassium, polonium and tantalum, tenesium, titanium, tellurium and cadmium and calcium and chromium and curium. There's sulfur, californium, and fermium, berkelium, and also mendelevium, einsteinium, nobelium, and arcan, krypton, neon, radon, xenon, zinc, and rhodium, and chlorine, carbon, cobalt, copper, tungsten, tin, and sodium. These are the only ones of which the news has come to Harvard, and there may be many others, but they haven't been discovered. Um.